Paging Dr. Randy. Paging Dr. Randy. I just got on call and they're paging me already. They want me to do work as soon as I get to work. Come on. Let's go. Yes, you. Come on. Well, I'm Dr. Randy. Nice to meet you. I'm a licensed family medicine physician. Since you're on call with me today, I want to make sure you learn as much as possible. Me and a few of my special friends are here to give you all the tips and info you need to live a balanced, healthy life. Are you ready to be on call with me? I hope so. So let's get it going. Our shift starts right now. Welcome back, healthy people, to On Call with Dr. Randy, your source of health information every Wednesday, sponsored by Heinz Entertainment Group. We made it to 2023. Yes, we made it, y'all. We made it. This is your Michael Jordan year. What does that mean? You're going to be great this year and get all the shoes your heart desires. I just made that up, but it sounds good, right? I think it does. I'm going to get all the shoes my heart desires. I got three that I'm looking to get right now, but I digress. Let me get back on topic. I know a lot of you have the goal of losing weight this year. You want to lose those pounds you gained from the holidays, or you're still trying to lose those extra pounds that you gained from quarantine. It's 2023. It's time to let that 2020 weight go. It's three years now. we got to get it in line. So, we will talk about weight loss in this episode. Today I have on internal medicine and obesity medicine specialist, Dr. Alicia Shelley. Dr. Shelley attended Oakwood University, which is an HBCU located in Huntsville, Alabama. She then attended Case Western University for medical school and did her internal medicine residency at St. Mary's Medical Center in San Francisco, California. Dr. Shelley is also the host of the podcast, Back on Track, Achieving Healthy Weight Loss, where she discusses how to get on track and stay on track with your weight loss journey. Dr. Shelley and I will discuss what are some of the main reasons of weight gain, what can weight gain lead to, and of course, how to lose those extra pounds. This episode was so good that it's going to be a two-part episode. Yes, two-part episode on weight gain and how to lose that weight. So make sure you come back next week for part two. Also, check out DrRandyMD.com if you haven't done so already. You can find out more information about me, your host, and get a look at some of my winter apparel in my online shop. Yes, I have an online shop. So go check it out. So let's go on call with internist and obesity medicine specialist, Dr. Alicia Shelley. All right. Welcome back, healthy people, to On Call with Dr. Randy. Today we have on internist, obesity medicine specialist, and fellow podcaster, host of the podcast, Back on Track, Achieving Healthy Weight Loss, Dr. Alicia Shelley. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This has been, I'm so excited to be here today. Yes, I'm glad you're on. We're going to be talking about weight loss today, starting off the new year. So I know that's a lot of people's goals is to lose weight and lose it healthily. So that's why I had to have on Dr. Shelley to talk about weight loss. But before we go on this discussion and this path, what made you want to become a physician? Ah, so the funny thing is I've always wanted to be a physician, um, even like since middle school. 
since middle school. I can't say always. And initially, I wanted to be a talk show host, but then that didn't work out. Oprah was in the business. So I ended up saying I really wanted to help people, and being a physician was one way how I could do it. So I kind of went into, med, uh, into college knowing that this is where I wanted to go. And then once I get into med school, it just clarified and just confirmed for me that I am in the right place. Now, I didn't always know I was going to do internal medicine. Um, initially, I wanted to do OBGYN. And so since that didn't work out, I realized I enjoy medicine. I enjoy preventative medicine. And so I went the internal medicine route. And then during internal med, like after internal medicine, I learned about obesity medicine. And the reason why I decided to go into that was because I struggled with my weight all my life. And so um, at the end, I was able to, at this point, I've been able to get control of it. And I wanted to help other people do the same. Okay. So were you watching too much Ricky Lake when you were in middle school? That's what kind of got you interested in being one of being a talk show host. Ricky Lake, Oprah. Listen, I used to watch Jerry Springer before it got raunchy. Because <laughs> there was a time before Jerry Springer when he was actually a real talk show host and it wasn't just, you are not, the, well, I guess more is you're not the father. But it wasn't just like craziness where people would just, you know, hurting each other, fighting all the time. Um, but I used to watch Darren Springer before then. <laughs> and I just Shout love their persona, like how they were able to just interview. So um, I just, that was one of my aspirations. And then I realized going into that field and to acting as well, I was like, you may have to bust tables the rest of your life. And I was like, mm, I don't want to bust tables the rest of my life if I don't make it into acting. So I think I'll, I think I'll go to medical school. I think I'll go to medical school. <laughs> so you said you had an interest in preventative health medicine. What made you interested in that specifically? So in preventative, I just enjoy like counseling people. I enjoy the relationship that I have with my patients. Um, with, you know, OBGYN, although you do have that relationship, uh, you would see your patient like every year for the regular checkup. The one thing about internal medicine that kind of drew me in was that you had a little bit more of a FaceTime with that patient. Like if they have diabetes or high blood pressure, they're coming in every three to six months. You're seeing how they progress. You're seeing how they improve. Um, and it just kind of has, it solidifies that relationship uh, for me. And so that's why that was why I wanted to go into internal medicine, just because it was more of um, that relationship was just a little bit stronger. Okay. So you mentioned a little bit earlier about your weight loss journey and that kind of sparking your interest in obesity medicine. Can you give a little bit of background on how that's been for you? Yeah. So for me and our family, we tend to have extra weight, especially as women. Uh, normally my mom, my aunts, they gained weight after childhood and then in menopause. But for me, I actually was overweight as a child and a teenager. Um, and it wasn't until college when I started cooking my own meals, exercising that I started to lose weight. But then in medical school, it was just so stressful. <laughs> Third year, fourth year, I looked up, I had gained that weight back and then some. And residency did not help. You know, um, you're in the hospitals long hours. Um, as far as eating, you're going to the cafeteria. Um, my internship was in Cleveland, Ohio, and they have free food, so you can just get whatever you wanted. <laughs> and so with that unhealthy eating, lack of exercise, lack of sleep, I gained that weight back. And so once I became an attending, I thought it would be easier, but it wasn't. You would think the stress would be gone. It was not. And in fact, it was probably more stressful, and I reached my highest weight. And at that point, I had tried fentramine, I tried medications, it just did not work. It's like genetics had kind of caught up with me. And so I ended up uh, undergoing bariatric surgery, I got a gastric sleeve. And from that time, I lost about 80, 80 pounds. 
And then I was doing good. I was exercising. I got into running. But then life again got into the way. And at one point, I kind of burnt out on running. <laughs> and so I kind of took a break for a couple months. And I looked up and I gained like 30 pounds in those three months. And so I knew that this, you know, what I'm doing is not working. This is not, you could just stop. This has to be a lifestyle change. And so that's when I started making sure that uh, changing my diet, changing my physical activity. I even started medications to kind of help me lose weight. Um, and it wasn't until I started uh, Ironman training where I really got to my lowest weight. Um, and at that point, I think I lost about 30 pounds. So I lost that 30 pounds that I had gained and then actually probably about 50 pounds, 20 pounds after that. And so it really was when I started making that lifestyle change and making it more of a lifestyle instead of just a diet or something you're doing for the moment uh, where I really saw a change. And, and that's what I'm about is trying to help people realize that they can make lifestyle changes and make this part of their lifestyle so they can be able to maintain their weight. Because this has been my experience up and down, up and down over the years. So you mentioned kind of for you, it started off as a youth. Um, I don't know if you've kind of thought about or reflected back how much of that may have been just from your diet that you were eating as a child. I know you're from the South and sometimes we, not sometimes, a lot of the times, we don't have the best healthy diet as far as Southerners. Finish your plate, eat all these meats, eat all these carbs, fried food. Did that play a major factor for you? I don't think it was, to be honest with you. Um, it really was genetic in my family because the times when I look back as a teenager, when I was the most active, I remember at one point I would go ride my bicycle every day. And yes, I was able to lose weight. But as soon as I kind of stopped the physical activity, that's kind of when it came back. Um, but it wasn't just kind of what I was eating. As a youth, my mom took me to like the weight loss courses that they had at the local hospital um, so that I could kind of, you know, figure out what food I'm eating. So she took a, a valid interest. But in that case, I really feel it was more genetics um, in, in my case, because it wasn't like whenever I would stop, everything would come back. And it's not like I would stop and be eating horribly. Um, I actually was still eating pretty healthy because she's the one cooking. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, definitely I have to admit, as a kid, you, you definitely have, they tell you, you got to finish your plate. Like, those are some of the things that are ingrained in you. Um, also, things that are ingrained with you, eating, you know, getting a treat when you did something well. Like, you know, get a piece of candy. So, these are some things that, are, that I had to kind of overcome. But I don't think it was the fact that I wasn't eating well. I think it was the fact that genetics was, was playing a role. Okay. So one thing that I always like to do for my healthy listeners is to set up a good foundation on toxin discussion. So this is going to be a weight loss conversation, of course. And so when people come to see me on a regular basis, they'll ask me, am I overweight? Am I obese? And so you being the obesity medicine specialist, how do you define overweight, obese, morbid obesity? How do you define those? So definitely with your weight loss, how we define those three terms is through your BMI, your body, um, your body mass index. And so the BMI looks at your height and it looks at your weight and it kind of gives you a number. If you're between the numbers of 18 and 24, you're considered a normal weight. If you're between the numbers of 25 and 29, you're considered overweight. If you're between the numbers of 30 and 40 or 39, 30 to 39, you're in obesity. And there's different classes of obesity as well. But then once you hit a BMI of 40 and above, you're considered morbid obesity in that class. Um, now, there's always, people have had different controversies with the BMI. Um, it's not the tried, the tried 
Um, it's not the end all be all. I'll say that because there's some people who are very muscular. So if you look at The Rock, for example, he's extremely muscular. So if we were to do his BMI based on his height and his weight, he'd probably be in the obese category, even though he's very fit. So, and if you are of Asian descent and tend to be more petite in size, you may be, you may be actually in a normal range when actuality, you may actually have like more extra weight in your midsection, which puts you at increased risk for, um, for um, medical complications. So it's not... A complete hundred percent, but it's what we have right now to help with categorizing people and where they are as far as with their weight loss and and how healthy they are. Have you been in the room listening to me when I talk to my patients? Because you're saying the same things that I say when I talk to my patients about BMI, especially for the Rock. That's the perfect example that I always use because there's a BMI chart in my office and they'll look at it and they'll be like, I'm in the red. Should I be in the red? And I give them the same example. If you do the height and weight of the Rock. He's probably obese, and we know he's not obese yeah. at all. No, not at all. He's looks yeah, like we know he's in the health. He's in the, he's in the fit. He's very fit. <laughs> right, right. So, how do you find a healthy weight? Yeah. So I like to approach it as, what is your? How do you feel as far as health wise? Because there's some people who feel healthy, who feel fit, they feel in the best part of their life when they're in the overweight category. And if they were to lose any further weight, they would feel that they were too skinny. They wouldn't like how they felt. So I like to look at it as where are you feeling that you're the healthiest and the happiest? Or what is your best health weight? I like to use the BMI as more of a guide versus 100% you have to be here. But ultimately, it just depends. So I have people who have had bariatric surgery, who have lost weight, and they feel more comfortable at a BMI of maybe 30 or 31. And when they did lose weight and got down to a BMI of like 25, 26, they felt too thin. They felt like they didn't like the way they looked. And ultimately, we got them a little bit maybe back to that 30, and they felt more comfortable. They didn't have medical conditions. So that also plays a role as well, because there are certain medical conditions that can occur with, with how much weight you have on you. And so if you're still in a healthy weight and you're feeling healthy, you don't have medical conditions, then I feel it's okay to be a little bit heavier than what our normal BMI tells us. Okay. So while we're kind of already on that path, what are some of the health conditions that can be increased risk factor being overweight or obese? So with obesity, there's over 200 medical conditions that can be tied or associated with obesity. So we're talking at like not only just diabetes, high blood pressure, coronary artery disease, um, also even having certain cancers, certain cataracts. So some of these things can, uh, can be associated with obesity. And by losing weight, like fatty liver disease, you can find that uh, your conditions improve arthritis. So many people I have coming in my office are like, oh, my knees hurt. My knees are, my knees are painful. And it, their knee pain improves as they lose weight because it's just less pressure. So you really, there's over 270 conditions um, that we have been able to associate with obesity. Yeah, yeah. You've definitely been in my office because I tell them the same thing about the knee pain as well. When you're walking around and you're, you're carrying a lot more weight, you're putting more stress on your joints. And if you're able to get that weight off, your joints will feel a whole lot more relief of the pressure that you're putting on those joints. Definitely, definitely. And I had one patient, they had lost about 25 pounds. And then when they picked up a 25 pound weight, 
they're like, I can't believe I was carrying this weight on my body for these last 10 years. Like I can, I see how heavy the weight that I was carrying is because you just don't realize you're used to this type of weight. But when you, when you lose that weight, when you lose that 20 or at least five to 10% of your body weight, you will see a difference in just, you know, your joints, you have less pain, you're moving more, less stiffness. It really makes a huge difference. So in your practice, um, what are you seeing are some of the reasons that some individuals are gaining weight? Is it poor dietary habits, lack of exercise? What is making people gain weight? So there's a misconception that um, people who are overweight or obese, all they do is eat and don't exercise. In fact, I would challenge that and say a lot of people who are in the obese or overweight category have been dieting basically all their lives. And they've tried every single diet, they've been exercising and still not losing weight. The reason being is that, like I was saying before, obesity is a chronic disease and it, there's, it's multifactorial uh, and a relapsing disease. And what that means is there are multiple reasons why people gain weight. Sometimes it can be genetics. It runs in the family. You may notice that all of your family tend to be heavy set and have extra weight on them. And you're like, I wonder why it's hard for me, because there's a genetic component. Sometimes it can be the medications you're taking. Certain medications can increase your weight, can, can increase your, uh, your weight, having you to gain weight, such as insulin, such as certain antidepressants. I personally have been on birth control and I gained 30 pounds. <laughs> so it's certain medications that can cause you to gain weight instead of lose weight. Also, certain endocrine um, diseases like your um, hypothyroidism. PCOS. These are conditions that can cause people to gain weight, uh, not even thinking about depression uh, that can cause people to gain weight. Um, so there are multiple reasons why people gain weight besides just eating too much and not exercising. Now, I'm not saying that by restricting your diet and, and exercising that you're not, you're not going to lose weight, but it's not the only thing that contributes to that. And studies were, they're doing research looking genetically at which genes are causing people to gain weight even as we speak. Okay. So if they find those specific genes, I'm assuming they're doing research on how to combat those genes or some kind of medication that can be specific for those individuals to help them lose weight. Yeah. Um, they've come out with one for, um, let's see if I say it right, Bartlett and Beal uh, syndrome, where they're able to take medications to kind of help. These are people that uh, have basically congenitally have this syndrome and they tend to just gain weight. They have this increased hyperphagia or increased hunger that they can't satisfy. And so the, mes the medication that they have out helps with kind of suppressing that, um, that so that they can be able to lose weight. So they're, I mean, it's slowly and steady. Who's, who's, who's to say what's going to happen in the future, but know that people are working on it. That's a, the sad part kind of about this is that a lot of people want to lose weight, but it's not so cookie cutter to help them lose that weight. It may, what may work for one person may not work for someone else. Oh yeah. And it's very individualized. And the reason being is that not everybody's gains weight the same re you know, the same way. It, like I said, some people may have thyroid disease. Some people may have, um, or be on certain medications, steroids that's causing them to gain weight. And so it's, you have to approach it differently. And a lot of times, like I said, with obesity, it can be a chronic disease. So it's not one of those, like just like high blood pressure or diabetes, you always have to keep an eye out on it. You have to keep monitoring it. You can't just say, oh, I did this diet for 10 weeks. I lost weight and then I'm going to stop and be surprised when the weight comes back. You have to kind of keep, keep monitoring it and keep making, basically making it a lifestyle, the changes that you're doing. 
So one thing a lot of people are doing now is paying more attention to their mental health, anxiety, depression, feeling suicidal, those type of things. How much do those things play a factor into weight gain or weight loss on the opposite aspect? Yeah. So studies have shown that chronic stress can lead to an increase in your cortisol level chronically, which leads to an increase of fat deposits. So it actually makes a huge difference how we make, how we handle stress. And so if we look at somebody who's depressed as well, just emotionally, when you're depressed, you have no motivation to want to exercise. Some people either eat too much or they eat not enough when they're going through um, a flare-up of depression or anxiety. And so that, too, can cause an imbalance in your metabolism that causes you to either gain weight. Either you're starving yourself and your body goes into starvation mode and you gain weight, or you're overeating at that time and your body has too many calories and you gain weight. So definitely depression and anxiety can contribute to increase weight loss. And so it is important for people to have that self-care, have those techniques in place so that you know what to do when you're feeling that um, stress, that stress or overwhelming or feeling just depressed so that you know that, you know, you're able to kind of combat it and overcome it. And if, and if, it, if it's something that you're not physically, personally able to overcome, seek help. Go to your local doctor, go to your counselor, go to your psychiatrist, make sure that you have people who are in your corner that's going to help you through this time. So you kind of mentioned metabolism. Everybody kind of mentions it in different type of ways. How do you define metabolism? So I define metabolism as basically as your body, how much your body has to increase in order to, or the calories your body needs to order to run. For example, um, in my office, I have a scale that actually gives people their basal metabolic rate, which tells me how many calories they need for their body in order to run, which is to like, if you're at rest with your body, for your heart to beat, for your lungs to breathe, how many calories? And if now you're exercising, how many calories your body needs in order to burn the calories and for it to run? And so a lot of times when you are really under eating um, a lot, I would say less than a thousand calories, your body can go into starvation mode. And instead of it burning it, because you would think I'm not eating enough, so my body should, you know, burn the calories. No, your body does the complete opposite. It holds on to the calories. And what you find is that you gain weight instead of losing weight. And I've had several patients who told me that one lady who suffers with depression, she went through a flare up where she was not eating. Like she was only eating maybe less than 500 calories a day. And she was surprised she gained 10 pounds because of that. So, you know, there is, you know, there, there is two extremes to this. And so with that metabolism, by you evaluating where you are, it helps you kind of see how many calories should I be eating? Now, the one thing I always say is that weight loss is not math. So one plus one does not equal two when it comes to weight loss. So even if you're having a deficit of like 500 calories every day, it does not mean you're going to lose one pound at the end of the week because there's so many things that play a role. But at least it's a good gauge to kind of see where you should be so that that's where you can start and see how your body responds. So as we kind of have this discussion, it kind of makes me think about a previous episode that I did talking about insomnia and the different treatments for that and how one one pill may work for someone and may not work for someone else. And so that kind of makes me also think about how much sleep plays a factor into weight gain. How much does what you do before you're going to bed play a factor into possibly gaining weight? So studies have shown that how many hours that you're sleeping at night 
makes a huge difference. If you're sleeping less than five hours at night, what we found is that your hunger hormone called ghrelin increases and your leptin hormone, which causes you to be more satisfied, decreases, which means you're more hungry. And then over time, your BMI will increase. So it's important for those people who have chronic insomnia that you're um, reaching out for help to find ways so you can get a good night's rest. I mean, how many of us don't get a good night's rest? We wake up not rested. And what is the one thing we turn to? Coffee. Caffeine. We got to stay awake. We got to stimulate ourselves so we can keep going. And so I don't know about you, but most people don't take their coffee black. They put all types of creamers, sugar, all these things, which are extra calories. Or God forbid you're drinking Red Bull or you're drinking uh, Mountain Dew or Coca-Cola, things that have extra calories that cause you to stay awake because you didn't get a good night's rest. So it is important for you to sleep. If you're having difficulties with sleeping, definitely having a good sleep hygiene is important. Making sure that you, when you go to your bedroom, that it's completely dark, the curtains are blacked out. Um, I always tell my patients, the bed is for two things, sleep and sex. So no sitting there watching TV, reading a book. You do that somewhere else in your house. But if you're going to bed, into your bed, you need to sleep. You need to just go to bed. So because what happens is your body gets used to you having like different modalities like, oh, I'm just going through my phone or oh, I'm playing a game. And before you know it, you're up all night. So it's important to have good sleep hygiene and good sleep behavior so that you can get a good night's rest so that you can wake up in the morning ready to tackle the day. A lot of times one of the challenges that my patients have is because they're not sleeping at night. They don't have energy to go exercise. They don't have energy to do anything else. All they have energy to do is go to work and come back home. So it's important that you capitalize on how much sleep you get because it will affect your weight. Yeah. So some of y'all just need to go to bed. That will help you lose even more weight than what you've been doing now. If you just cut the TV off, put the phone down and go to sleep. Me personally, I don't drink coffee. People are always like, how do you get going in the morning? Jesus, Hosanna. That's who gets me going in the morning. Like, I don't need no coffee. I don't need no cream. I don't need none of that. I just got my Lord and Savior. Amen. Help me, help me. And me because I try to get a good night's rest so I can wake up ready to go. <laughs> you know? Right. Like sleep. Go to sleep. <laughs> so a lot of my listeners are women and a lot of my patients are too. And so that's kind of the key category as far as who come to talk to me about difficulty in losing weight. They'll say, oh, my spouse, my husband, if they're dating a man, they're like, oh, he can lose five pounds by just walking to the kitchen and coming back and eating something on his way back. And he's lost five pounds. Mind you, I'm at the gym. I'm focusing on my diet and I check the scale and I've gained two pounds. Like, why is it more difficult for women to lose weight compared to men? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, there's a difference in um, body composition. So for men, they are more muscular and muscle burns more calories than fat does. As women, we tend to be uh, having a little bit more fat, especially in our thighs, in our hips, because we were giving birth and that's where we needed to have the extra storage. But once we hit menopause, what happens is our hormones are changing. And so we start to increase our weight in our midsection. So like probably a lot of your patients as well, they're like, man, I have my weight right here in my stomach and it won't go anywhere. And the reason being is that it's hormonal. It's physiologic. Your body is changing. Uh, the other thing is, is that our metabolism decreases as we age. We tend to, as we age, our metabolism starts to decrease. So what you find is the things you did when you were 20 or even early 30s to lose weight, it's not working when you're in your 40s and 50s. Like I remember when I was in my 20s, all I had to do was stop eating pizza. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> eat well, eat happy, you know, and then go exercise. I'm like, oh, I done lost 15 pounds. Look at this. Who knew eating healthy was helpful? But for other people, when you're in your 20s and 30s, you have to do a lot more. You have to be consistent with that diet, making sure you're eating foods that are less processed, drinking less sugary beverages, not eating out as much. And going to restaurants is considered eating out because what happens is they have a lot of processed, maybe not necessarily processed foods, but they have a lot of richness and calories because they want you to come back to these restaurants. So changing how you eat is important. Putting down the alcohol. Not always having that glass of wine at nighttime is going to be important because why? I know, right? Alcohol, <laughs> it's a sugar. <laughs> it's a sugar. And it's extra sugar. So it's important that the changes you make, you have to be more um, intentional with what you're doing, making sure you're consistent with your exercise. You may need to do a combination of not only cardio, but some strength training in order to tone the muscles so that you can burn more calories there. But the reason why women, uh, men lose more weight is more body composition and the fact women are hormonally changing, especially during those 40s and 50s. Okay, that's some good information right there. So has there been any research showing why metabolism decreases as we get older? Well, it's just physiologic. So definitely studies have confirmed what we believed that our metabolism decreases. And you see it a lot too, as we age, you may look at your grandparents um, and see that as their body starts to change. And, and the reason being is that as we remember, our bodies were made to work. So a lot of times when, when we were, if you look back in the day, our prime working hours were when we were in our 20s and 30s. So you were the best fit shape. You had more muscles. Women, our goal was to bear children. So we have more, our body was storing fat in our hips and thighs areas so we can bear children. But as we age, we're no longer needed to bear children. You know, we don't necessarily need to be working quite as hard. And so you can see that change in the body composition. And it's interestingly enough, with women, we tend to lose calcium. So our bones tend to be weaker. And so um, what we find is that sometimes as you lose weight, as you get older, your bone mass actually starts to decrease as well. So that's another reason why it's important to have that strength training to kind of help balance that out as you, um, as if you're older, trying to lose weight. Okay. All right, Dr. Randy. All right, Dr. Shelley. I've been listening to y'all. I already knew I was overweight when I came in listening to this. Now y'all didn't tell me why I'm overweight. Okay. Now, what do I do to get this fat off? Like, I'm tired of walking around. My jeans are tighter. My shirt is tighter. People are asking me, when's the baby? I'm not even pregnant. How do I get this fat off? Let's start off by talking about. I hate when people ask you, are you pregnant? And you're not pregnant. You're like, really? Really? But yes, this is something that happens. And so what do you do first? Number one is I want you to focus on your mindset. Focus on where you are in your thoughts. A lot of times I have patients that come into my office and they're there. They want to lose weight. But in the back of their mind, they're thinking of the time where they lost weight and gained it back and lost weight and gained it back. And they wonder, will this be the next time? And because they're so focused on that particular um, experience, it makes it so hard for them to focus on in the present, in the now, here and now, and to losing weight. And so sometimes they get discouraged at the slightest thing and they just stop altogether. So number one, I want you to focus on having more positive thoughts around your weight loss. I want you to repel and just reframe your thoughts, have positive affirmations that you can do it, and then that you can get started. 
The second thing I want you to do is I want you to come up with like three healthy habits that you can start to employ. And it doesn't have to be huge. I have people who start slow where they're like, hey, I'm just this month I'm going to focus on getting my exercise together, increasing my exercise. The next month they may focus on uh, reducing the sodas. The next month they may focus on some other healthy habit. But take it easy. A lot of times we tend to be overwhelmed with all the obligations that we have as far as at home, at work, and it just seems there's not enough time to exercise or do any healthy habits. So my recommendation is to focus on one thing at a time and then keep making those changes. Um, the last, the second thing I'm going to give you is to give yourself grace. A lot of times we think we need to be perfect, but hello, we're human. When are we ever perfect? Nothing. And so there are going to be times when we fall off. There are going to be times when we go to a birthday party or we go out to eat with friends and we have a slice of cake. Don't beat yourself up after that. You can actually start to exercise to balance it out. We just came from the holidays and a lot of people are like kind of beating themselves up or how they ate during the holidays. Listen, that was in the past. We got to look toward the future. So focus on at least one to three baby steps that you're going to make or changes you're going to make with your healthy lifestyle. And then the next thing I would say is schedule it. Put it, write it down in your calendar that I'm going to exercise for 30 minutes, three days a week on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And you commit to that. Because the last thing is that with the New Year's resolution, we have so many things we want to do, but we don't really have a concept on how it's going to fit into our lifestyle. So it's better to have realistic goals and then schedule it what you're going to do and then actually stay committed to it. The last thing I would say is that consistency is key. When we think about what's the secret sauce to weight loss, it's going to be staying consistent. And a lot of times people fall off because they start doing something for one week, two weeks, and then they're like, oh, I'm tired and they stop. Or they may get discouraged if they're only losing one to two pounds. Now, I'm going to say this. How much weight should you be losing per week? One to two pounds per week. So if you don't lose 10 pounds in that first week, all is not lost. It just takes some time. So I want you to kind of give yourself grace. I have many people who they've tried a, health life, a healthy lifestyle change for one to two weeks. They didn't see the weight loss that they had and they stopped. But it wasn't like they didn't. They did lose weight, but it wasn't their goal. And so I, I, would, I would challenge people to have a realistic goal of weight loss. You didn't gain the weight overnight and you're not going to lose it overnight. So give yourself that one to two, uh, one to two pounds of weight loss. And if for some reason that scale does not change, know that it could be that you are gaining muscle. Um, so you need to have another way how you measure yourself while you're measuring your um, inches, while you're looking at your clothes to see how loose they are. That's a good indicator that your body is changing and you're losing weight. So keep, keep going. So those would be a couple of steps I would give people to kind of get started with their weight loss journey. So I like that you talked about realistic and reachable goals. So when your patients come in to see you to discuss goals, how does that conversation usually go? Do you let them set the goals or do you kind of do it for them? Or is it a team approach into setting those reachable and realistic goals? I always start off with allowing them to come up with the goal. Or at least to, to, to figure out what area they want to kind of focus on. Because I find that if I come up with the goal, it's not going to get done. <laughs> so they have to come up with the goal. But then I have some people who are like, well, I don't know where to start. And then I will give them my answer. Um, you know, I will, I will let you get started and then I'll come in and be like, hey, maybe you should try this. Now, the one thing I am telling my patients is that, it, like I said, it has to be realistic and reachable. But it doesn't have to be like a huge goal all at once. You can start small and then gradually increase your goal. 
I had one patient where she started off, she was 300 pounds, and she started off with just focusing on one thing, and it turned out every month. And she, over time, over like a year and a half, she was able to lose 100 pounds. And that's because she focused on the small goals and kept going forward. A lot of times we have these big lofty goals, and when we don't meet it in the first month, we get discouraged and stop. But if we focus on what's the small goals that are going to get us to the to that lofty goals, what we'll find is we start keep being encouraged because we're still meeting those small baby steps. So it's good to kind of start small, small, and kind of keep working your way up. Yeah, because a lot of people, unfortunately, they will set these unrealistic goals of, okay, I'm going to see you back in three months. Um, what kind of weight loss goal do you want to have? Oh, I want to lose 75 pounds in three months. Okay, that's that's... That's a little bit unrealistic. I don't want to shoot your dream down, but we I want you to hit something, a mark where you will actually reach it. And if you go over it, great. But if you a little bit under it, you won't be mad at yourself. So let's try to find something that we know that you can reach. And to lose 25 pounds in a month is not healthy. And what happens is, is that what you, when you stop doing what you're doing, because most time it's not attainable, it's not, it's not something sustainable, you'll gain that weight back. So it is important to try to choose more healthier goals so that you can be able to kind of keep, um, you know, keep moving forward and be able to lose weight over time and let it be realistic as well. What's the downturn of losing too much weight too fast? Like if you're losing at 25 or 40 pounds in a month, what's, what's the negative aspect of that? So the negative aspect, so a lot of times when you're losing that much weight, it means that you're either restricting your diet too much or you're overdoing it as far as your physical activity. And so what happens is you put yourself up for injury. Um, Also, the one thing I would say is I mentioned toning. When you tone, it actually helps with reducing the extra skin that you have from losing weight. So when you're losing like 40 or 50 pounds in a month, what you're finding is, is that you're probably a little bit more flabby and you probably aren't able to maintain it. I'll be honest with you, I was in the grocery store one day and I was looking at one of the, you know, the, the magazines that are at the counter and it said, drop 40 pounds by Memorial Day. And when I looked at the date of the magazine, it was May 9th. So they're having you lose 40 pounds in three weeks. Oh my goodness. First of all, I don't think it's actually possible. But secondly, unless you're trying to get a colonoscopy. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, what is going on here? So are you starving yourself? So, um, you know, I think the down part of the down, um, one of the negatives to losing weight so fast is that you're not able to maintain. And that's when you you gain it back. You see those yo-yo diets. Um, I remember when I was uh, in college, I did the lemonade diet where you just for seven days drink lemonade with cayenne pepper and all these things. And I lost weight. But as soon as I started eating again, um, I gained the weight back. And I did not mention, I felt like I was going to die toward day seven. I was like, Lord, it's going to take me. I did not move, but I have energy. Like you just felt unwell. <laughs> so there is a lot of negative to, um, to dieting too fast. Yeah. So while we're kind of on that dieting discussion, what's your opinion on some of these new diet things that yo-yo back and forth? So a lot of people are doing intermittent fasting or doing the keto diet. Um, low carb diet. What is your opinion on some of these uh, diet fads? So my opinion is your diet should be something you're able to maintain. 
So some people actually really benefit. Like if you're a diabetic, you benefit from a low-carb diet. If you have um, high blood pressure or coronary artery disease, you would benefit from the Mediterranean diet or the DASH diet. So there's certain diets that are actually very helpful. Um, but if you're doing like intermittent fasting, I have people who've been able to lose weight and maintain it, but they've been able to, they had to stay on the, on the intermittent fasting diet. So I would recommend focusing on a diet that you can maintain. Not everybody can do the keto diet because it's such a low calorie, a low carb diet. And then because they're on that low carb diet, that means something else has to increase and it's mostly fat. And so I've seen people be able to have their cholesterol increased because of the keto diet. So it's not the best for everyone. I've had some people be like, oh, carbs, the best diet or paleo is the best diet or vegans, the best diet. What we find is that with all these diets, studies have shown you will lose weight. But the question is, which diet can you maintain? So that's my mm -hmm. recommendation with those. So not just going in ways, picking a lane and staying in that lane, not jumping from highway to highway, finding what works best for you. And what you can maintain, because like I said, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So mm -hmm. when you're trying to lose weight, you're not losing it for like a month or two months or three months, you're losing weight um, so that you can continue to keep it off. And even when you keep it off, you're going to still have to be doing the same healthy habits that you've instilled in the process. So you want to be able to do something that you can maintain for a long time. Weight gain is something a lot of people suffer from. If you suffer from weight gain, I hope this episode provided some better context on why you may be specifically gaining weight. And if you're looking for information or treatment options to lose that extra weight, tune in to next week's episode. Thank you, Dr. Shelley, for being on. You all make sure to follow her on social media and sign up for her free weight loss course. So if you want more information for that, just look in the show description there. There's a link that you can click on to learn more about her online free course on weight loss. You all have a good week. See you all next week for part two. And as always, stay healthy physically and mentally.